When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Meet Calvin. Hi. Calvin won 50 bucks off his roommate. That's because Calvin has the iHeartRadio app. iHeartRadio. Which he used to make a pasta song playlist. I'm a genioki. Calvin blasted this on repeat after betting his roommate couldn't complete a four-day juice cleanse. Oh, I can. The song Proper Pappardell pushed him over the edge. Mm, I love carbs. Good thing Calvin is one of millions with the iHeartRadio app. Download it today and get paid to ruin your roommate's stupid cleanse. Like Calvin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 180. Today's episode is dropping during the opening event of the 2024 WSLCT season, the Lexus Pipe Pro presented by Yeti, which looks like it will be running over the next couple of days. So make sure you tune into that at worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. Before we get to today's conversation, here are three surfing news items for you to keep in mind this week as you sit in your own lineups. We mentioned this already, but the opening day of the season, the opening day of the Lexus Pipe Pro presented by Yeti, ran in serious waves at Pipeline last Wednesday. And amongst the day's stories was the unfortunate withdrawal of reigning two-time world champion Felipe Toledo from competition. Felipe surfed his morning opening round heat, only managing a 1.77 out of 20 before pulling out of the event before his elimination round heat that afternoon, citing sickness from food poisoning. There's not a whole lot uh, to add from me, but but I will say the following. Um, it is disappointing, and, and I think no one is probably more disappointed than Felipe himself. You know, in the past, he's been open and vulnerable about wanting to improve at places like Pipeline. And I'd imagine that that very public narrative may have fueled his attempt to try to survive his opening round heat with the illness. And when that didn't pan out, he withdrew before the elimination round. And as our guest today comments about Pipeline in general, it is the most dangerous wave on the planet. And if any one thing doesn't feel right, your equipment, an injury, headspace, etc., that could have very serious consequences. I hope Felipe feels better soon, and I hope we get to see him perform at venues like Pipeline in the future. He has no shortage of talent. Speaking of talent, up next from the news this last week. Australian free surfer Noah Dean and his collaborator James Cates released their latest film, MASH, on Stab Premium. It is incredible. I've always been a fan of Noah surfing, but the direction he's taken in the past few years, and as he humbly says in the film, exploring aerial surfing and tube riding has really been something to behold. It is beautifully shot, coming in at 46 minutes and featuring cameos from the likes of Creed McTaggart and Russell Bierke. MASH is well worth your time, so please check that out if you get the chance. Finally, uh, it is the story of the day, with a few days remaining in the waiting period and swell on tap, the world's best surfers will recommence the Lexus Pipe Pro presented by Yeti in the next couple of days, and the event will stream live at worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. 
All right, episode 180. Today's guest is someone who remains in the draw at Pipe. His upcoming round of 32 heat against rookie Cade Matson will be his next bout. Hailing from one of the less common areas to produce world-class surfers in Rome, Italy, this young man quickly caught the attention of the Quicksilver Young Guns program and was put on the pathway to becoming an international talent at a very young age. Boat trips, films, CT wildcards, tutelage under the likes of Jeremy Flores, Stephen Bell, Dane Reynolds, Kelly Slater, and others. He's developed into one of the more well-rounded elite-level surfers on the planet in 2024, dangerous in everything from two-foot beach breaks to 12-foot pipeline. And at 26 years young, he has the potential to really build on his already impressive career. We talk about all this and more. Please enjoy the lineups conversation with Italy's Leonardo Fioravanti. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? We can shut your lips. And now I just say, put them up once. Let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. All right, the lineup is back. We have a special guest for this week's episode. Developed as one of the most valued international prospects of his generation, a youth spent between his home in Italy and the south of France, where he eventually caught the attention of Quicksilver, Pierre Onier, Stephen Belly, Kelly Slater, and others and was quickly folded into the Young Guns program alongside other up-and-comers like Mikey Wright, Kano Igarashi, and Jack Robinson. A stellar junior career capped off by qualifying for the Tour and a career-high ninth-place finish on last season's rankings. He has a new sponsor in K-Way, as well as longtime supporter Red Bull. He's recently engaged. Congratulations there. And we're recording this on Friday, February 2nd. He's won his opening round heat of CT1, the Lexus Pipe Pro presented by Yeti. Has yet to surf his round of 32 heat up against rookie Cade Matson. We have Italy's Leonardo Fioravanti. Leo, thank you so much for coming on the lineup. Hey, everyone. Um, thank you for the introduction. I mean, that was a very nice one. And I uh, appreciate all the things that you said about me. So uh, thanks, Dave. But I'm stoked to be here. Um, we have a couple of lay days um, coming up. We already had one or two. And uh, looks like it's going to be a bit tricky as well. But, I mean, we had a pretty mm. insane opening day at the pipe contest. So um, that was exciting to to have some real pipeline, you know, considering last year was quite different conditions than than what we had this year. Totally. I, I think we were due. So it, it was good to see on day one <laughs> yeah, and, and hopefully we get a, a few more days for the, the culmination of the event. You know, we're talking about it. You're here on the North shore of Oahu for the start of the 2024 CT season. We, we open the season at pipe and then we go to sunset beach. How long have you been on the Island for? How early did you come out in, in advance of the start of the year? I came in, uh, I got here on the 10th of November. So I've been oh, here wow. for a long time. Yeah. Yep. So my fiance, Sophia, is from the North Shore. I have a place on the North Shore. So um, that is my winter base. I love spending time here. Sorry, I love spending time in Hawaii. It's such a, such a good place. I feel like, you know, 
there's so many different waves. If you actually don't only want to surf Sunset or Pipeline, there's actually a lot of waves that you can surf. And having Sophia's family as well, you know, makes it more of a home base for me. And my mom was here, got to spend Christmas with all her family, got to play a lot of golf at Turtle Bay, which I absolutely love doing. And um, yeah, I, as much time as I can spend in Hawaii, I, I'll, I'll do that because not only it's a great place to be, but obviously our first two events are Pipeline mm. and Sunset. And the more practice I can get, the more time I can spend out there, try out all my quiver of uh, God knows how many boards. Um, feels, uh, it's a great thing. You know, it's a, it's Good. a positive thing for me. Right. So, so you're, you're kind of caught a little bit between, you know, locals who maybe grew up on the North shore, right? John, John, who that's his home base. He's going back to in between events of course, yeah. and probably the majority of the tour that probably want to come as early as possible. But in some cases, it's only a week or two before the event starts. You've been there for, for several months. Um, I'm curious is your approach to the start of the season the same every day from the time you land on the island or do you give yourself some time to relax in mid-november ease in you know ride different kind of shapes or whatever relax and then build up to the start of the year what is it like for you being over there when when you're getting you have a few months to get ready for the start of the season you know for me it's not about um it's not the moment i get to hawaii i'm thinking about pipeline and sunset Definitely not. I, you know, I enjoyed the island a bit more. I played a lot of golf. Um, for sure, started to surf those places every day a little bit more. Sunset pipe, sunset pipe, but not too much. Um, a big goal of mine was actually not to over-surf pipeline because it's such a dangerous wave. And sure. so I really didn't want to get hurt coming up, you know, before pipeline. Um, try to be smart about it. Surf it when it's mm -hmm. clean. If it's a bit messy, if it's a bit sketchy, try to stay away from it. The day that Joao Chianca um, got hurt, uh, which is so, it's so unfortunate. Um, and I hope that Joao has a great recovery. I surfed Sunset in the morning and my plan was to surf Sunset when everybody was all excited to surf Pipe and then go to Pipe around lunchtime when maybe people already had some waves and the locals had their, their fair share of a couple of hours of insane Pipeline. And when Joao got hurt, um, I wasn't feeling it. I, yeah. I totally wasn't feeling it. I obviously can relate very much to Joao. And I was like, you know what? Um, unless you go to Pipeline 100% committed, it's better not to go out. And that day for me, after what happened to Joao, I preferred to stay away from it. I went and had an afternoon session at Sunset. And I think that was a smart decision. You know, I'm not saying that obviously it's not smart or smart to serve Pipeline, but the way that I was feeling in that moment relating to Joao's injury and obviously still not knowing how Joao was going to recover and how he is doing. Uh, mm. I had a full hole inside of me and I'm not scared to talk about it because everybody, we're all scared to serve pipeline and there's moments that we're more fired up and there's moments that we're not feeling it. And that day I served Sunset, was smart about it and um, came back the next day or a couple of days after. Such an interesting insight there. And it's something that must be unique really across all of sports, right? Because we're dealing with the most dynamic field of play for any sport, right? It's not static at all. Every day is different. The waves are different depending on where we're at on for tour. Sure. And as you outlined, you're wrestling with this internal 
appetite as a surfer and a core surfer to go, yeah, I, I want to surf pipeline. I want to get barreled. I want to go out there and test myself and having to balance that out with, with two things, right. Where it's like, if I'm hurt before the season, that that's a real disappointment for me, but also I have to be really sharp. And if I'm not feeling a hundred percent in my body or my equipment or my mind, I'm, I'm not going to go there. Is that something that, that, that discipline, is that something that you've developed later in life or was that always there from the beginning because i'd imagine when you're younger you just like every session no matter how dangerous i'm going right oh my god no no way i that comes with experience i am 26 yeah. years old today obviously i'm still young but i've yeah. been around for a long time um the first years you know the actually the year that i broke my back at pipeline there was a photographer his name was uh timo jarmian mm -hmm. uh worked for quicksilver for many years got film on instagram an amazing photographer and he told me that at the end of the winter or after when i went back to europe to get all my surgeries and stuff he's like you know dude that winter this winter you were going crazy it was like you're almost going too hard to the point where everybody was kind of not expecting but thinking that you're going to get injured because you were going so nuts and maybe the wipeout that actually got hurt didn't look so bad but it's just when you push it so many times yeah. It's not a matter of if you're going to get hurt, it's when you're going to get hurt. And that injury definitely taught me a lot about pipeline, um, made me way more scared about pipeline, mm -hmm. uh, 100%. And also made me realize, okay, I love to get barreled. I would say I'm not somebody who's scared of bigger waves, but I need to be smart about it. I need to go out, mm -hmm. pick my waves, try to find my hole in the crowd and really, really, you know, be smart about the waves that I pick. And you see guys like John John and Jamie, and obviously they're the best pipe surfers, but not only they get the best waves, in a session, they might fall off once or twice. And a lot of times they might catch five or six waves and make all of them. So I think that's, I think that's, um, that's something to learn from uh, by those guys. And with the years of surfing pipeline and spending time here, I've noticed that, you know, I got to be smart about it. it. It is interesting. I'm curious though, you know, and I'm not, depending on your answer, I'm not recommending everyone go like, yeah, we have to be as reckless as possible to get as good as you've gotten at surfing pipeline. Yeah. But do you think that if you hadn't been pushing it when you were younger and developing, it was, I guess my question is, do you think there was another way to get comfortable and experienced out there? Or it's just, hey, you have to pay your dues and some people pay them very quickly and some people take their time. Pipeline, you need to spend time out there. And you obviously, mm -hmm. I talked about John and Jamie and those guys, but I'm sure those guys have had gnarly injuries out there, gnarly wipeouts. They've been in situations yeah. where they were scared and um, got hurt, obviously, and put out of the water. So... Obviously, I wouldn't say you have to get hurt to be good at pipeline. That's not, but you need to spend time out there to feel comfortable because when a 10 footer comes and you have the priority and it's in the pipe masters or the pipe pro, whatever it's called now, um, you have to be able to be confident that not only you're going to catch the wave or you, it's not about just going, it's I'm going and I'm making it. And I'm yeah. not just getting a three or a four in front of the barrel. I'm going, I'm going to stall, let go at the right time and understand the wave, you know, because when you're scared, it's not only about going, it's 
going it's easy then you got to really think about every single detail the take the paddle the angle the takeoff stalling at the right time letting go of the grab right. doing a pump and especially in a heat if you get in front of the barrel you might go from getting an eight to getting a four and that's a complete mm. different story so so that's where i think i learned from john kelly uh jamie that on those waves even though it's 10 foot waves they maximize the score and they put themselves in the perfect spot so that they're on the foam ball, but right in front of it and then come out with the mm. spit, if not after the spit. I love that. Um, you know, we're going to dive into your, your backstory in the next segment, but, but when it comes to Hawaii, when, how old were you when you first came to the North shore and, and you mentioned some of, some of the people that you look up to, were there any other mentors specifically at pipe that, that worked with you and, and, and helped you get comfortable out there? I've been coming to the North Shore since I was 10 years old. The first year I spent my first 10th birthday and I've been coming here since. So that is uh, 16 years. So that's a lot of years coming to the North Shore. Um, spending a lot of time at Pipeline, watching the waves. I think I'm obviously, maybe I almost didn't realize it at the time, but I was there for both of Jeremy's Pipe Master wins. And seeing what Jeremy did at the time, I didn't realize how insane it was to become a two times pipe master. Yeah. But now that I'm on the world tour and last year I was so close to getting a win myself, you know, looking back at that, it's like, that is such an inspiration. Jeremy coming from France, um, obviously himself as well, spending a lot of time on the North shore, but not only going out to surf, but proving that he's one of the best out there against the best surfers in the world. I think that's something very inspiring. Another inspiring thing to me was somebody like Kieran Pirro, who uh, mm. many people don't realize, but he got second the year that Jeremy won, came back the next year and won the Pipe Masters. That's incredible. Well, you get second the very next year, you win the, the whole contest. That's like a legendary status that people don't really talk about. So. I think I relate, you know, myself, I try and relate more to those guys that, yes, I learned a lot from Jamie, John, John, the people that really surf pipeline a lot, but I see myself more as a competitor of pipeline and how I can understand pipeline the best possible way in competition so that I can achieve, obviously, my, uh, my long life dream of a uh, putting that trophy above my head, which is the best trophy in the world, I think to me, at least single event. I love it. Those are great. Those are great stories. Well, let's talk about this event, the, the Lexus Pipe Pro presented by Yeti. It's the, the opening stop on the 2024 championship tour season. As of recording, we've ran that opening day. You drew Liam O'Brien and Frederica Marias in the, the opening round. And, you know, it was a slower heat, right? Um, which is, I think, yeah. something, it's something that's hard, I think, for people to wrap their heads around when yeah. they're like, well, pipe's firing. I'm seeing all this stuff, but it can be firing and there's still slow heats, but, um, but you got through, but maybe, maybe talk us through that experience and, you know, how you can kind of focus, even if, even if your adrenaline spiking on the other rides you're seeing throughout the day and you're just confronted with the conditions you got for those 35 minutes. I think, um, I went out to really focusing on the heat and my competitors. And at the start, we had a couple of wash through sets that completely messed up the lineup. It was a shit show. It was like, 
And then even when the set stopped, there was a crazy current coming through the lineup. So I'm just paddling the whole time, couldn't really get to the spot and the lineup spot that I wanted to get to. And I'm thinking at the start, because obviously it's been a couple of years that I haven't surfed the Hida pipeline when it's eight to 10 feet. I'm thinking, is this what it is? Is this what guys are getting nines on and I'm absolutely right. <laughs> sucking? <laughs> like those thoughts came in my mind, of course, those negative thoughts that like, how come those guys are able to position themselves? This is incredible. The current gnarly, I'm paddling, there's water moving everywhere. So then I realized 20 minutes into the heat when it finally, the current stopped and it cleaned up and I'm like, okay, this is what it, it feels like more um, a normal pipeline instead of what the last 20 minutes. So obviously that was a, a, a little moment. We hadn't competed in a while that I had to get back into it. But then I just tried to surf a heat. I made sure that I caught a decent barrel, which was like, well, a high four. And then I had another one that I caught with priority that if I came out, I think it would have been a seven, five, a seven, a seven, five. Right at the end, I was doggy dooring it and the lip got me and that would have closed the heat. So there I kind of left the door open, obviously for Liam and Fred to come back. Mm. But same thing, you know, when you surf an eight or a nine minute heat of pipeline, that's, that's not so much you can do. Of course, you're going to catch one wave that you don't come out or things happens. But in 30 minutes of that, you can figure it out. And nine minute I, heat, I, it was tough. <laughs> yeah, I, I always think that's a big part of, you know, when I was a kid, like we didn't have webcasts, right? So you get the contest report in the magazine and it's all the best photos. Yeah. Or you get the VHS tape and it's all the highlights and you just go... Man, the Dream Tour, it must just pump. Like every single heat just must be pumping, but they're not including it, kind of yeah. just the everyday stuff, right? Now that there's a, we have instant access with the webcast, it's like, oh no, those heats and those lully heats and those wash through heats, they always happen. We just didn't, we weren't exposed yeah. to it in a lot of ways. So you've got a, a rookie, you got the rookie Cade Matson uh, coming up in your next heat, which uh, may have run by the time this airs. Yeah. Do you approach the heat with a rookie any differently or is it just the same for everybody? You know, Cade is an amazing surfer and he might be a rookie, but all those new guys are so um, devoted. They're so committed to being the best possible athletes. They're incredible surfers and incredible talents. So I want to make sure that, you know, I would never take it as, as a rookie. Um, it's going to be a super challenging heat. Um, Cade's an amazing barrel rider, even though that, you know, he hasn't had the, the chance to prove himself yet. And I'm sure that he will try to prove himself as much as possible against me. So I'm not going to take him lightly. Um, he goes for it. He's not scared of pipeline. We've seen that first, uh, well, I've seen some free surfs. He got some incredible waves and that wipeout. I mean, that riot was a 10 foot square one and he went for it. Of course he ate, but he went for it. <laughs> so that was, that was, um, that shows that he goes for it. If the moment is coming, he's gonna give it his best. So it's gonna be a very challenging heat and I'm gonna to have to bring the best out of myself 100%. I love it. Well, uh, listeners, by the time this airs, make sure you are watching the Lexus Pipe Pro presented <laughs> by Yeti. It's on worldsurfleague.com, YouTube, the WSL app and ESPN Plus. We're gonna take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors and we'll be right back. 
WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. Hey, I hear you think podcasts are all about true crime, huh? Well, wise guy, the iHeartRadio app's got all kinds of podcasts. We got stuff you should know and stuff they don't want you to know. We got Bobby Bones, Big Boy, and Lou Later. We got SpongeBob Binge Pants and Exotic Erotic Storytime. We got Doughboys, Two Dudes in a Kitchen, Green Eggs and Dan. Hey, we got ElfQuest. We got podcasts for everything on the iHeartRadio app for free. If you don't download that, well, that's not just a true crime, my friend. That's criminal. All right, we are back. This is the lineup. I'm Dave Prodan here with CT surfer Leonardo Fioravanti. Let's run it back, Leo. One of the more interesting things about you is that you come from one of the least common places for elite level surfers. You were born in in Rome, Italy. Uh, first CT surfer ever, I believe, unless there's a story out there we haven't no, heard no. about. But but tell us, what was it like growing up? Like mom, dad, early life, and and how did you get into surfing? Um, you know, growing up in Italy was amazing. I I love my country. I love the food in my country. Which who doesn't love the food in Italy? But it was really cool. And like you said, obviously surfing was not a part of our culture. Um, the beach club that my bro- me and my brother and our parents brought us to, the owners were surfers. Um, it was yeah. called Ocean Surf. So there was a little bit of a surf culture, which is very rare for our area. Put us on a surfboard or put me on a surfboard and I loved it. All I wanted to do was surfing. I got home and on television, I was just able to there was a surf channel, so I was able to actually watch surfing. Um, I had a Kelly poster on my in my room, a Mick Fanning poster. My brother had an Andy poster. 
So we're just these random Italian kids that live in a culture that's got nothing to do with surfing, obviously absolutely in love with surfing. And my parents understood that, you know, they were very understanding. They realized that these kids love the sport and let's give them, you know, what they love. Let's take them on holidays to France, to Portugal, give them the opportunity to surf. And that's when I slowly started going to France, going to Portugal and finding some sponsors because they realized that I could actually surf, um, which actually at the time was Stephen Bell and uh, his team manager, his co-team manager, Thomas Porte, which was the French European team manager. And that's when I was nine years old. And that was a huge change in my career because I went from not knowing much about surfing to having Quicksilver as my main sponsor. And at the time they had the best possible guidance and road for young athletes like myself, like you said before, Kanoe Garashi, Mikey, Jack. And so I think we're all so grateful for those moments. You know, the head of that was uh, Pierre Agnès, which we um, have to speak about, obviously. Unfortunately, he passed away um, 60 years, only a couple of days ago, 60 years ago. A uh, very sad moment for not only European surfing, for surfing in general, because Pierre was an amazing person. And, but yes, I'm so grateful for all the moments that I've spent with Quicksilver. Red Bull came along, which they've supported me so much. And, and I think for a young career, you know, yes, I am from Italy. I am from a country that's got nothing to do with surfing, but I had the right people that guided me to become a professional surfer. And I'll forever be grateful for that. Yeah. It, it was such a unique time, right? Because the surfing world across all the stakeholders has gone through so much change um, since, oh it, since its inception, but certainly in the last 20 years. But right around when you were being noticed by Quicksilver was in a lot of ways like the, the peak for the endemic industry. And you mentioned Pierre, Pierre Agnès and he was really a visionary in a lot of ways in the way he looked at talent in the way he identified it and the way he he gave it a roadmap to develop and it was really special and and at quicksilver it was one of those things with the young guns program and so for for listeners out there that maybe haven't heard of it could you describe just what that meant um how you experienced it and and what kind of other surfers you got introduced to through it because it was it just seemed like such a great advantage to be in that program at the time well what that meant was the best it was incredible it was belly was taking us Stephen bell who was the global team manager was taking us 12 13 year olds myself kanoa jack to world tour events and stay with kelly with dane with jane uh, dane reynolds jeremy flores freddie patakia um mm -hmm. And that's the best possible learning skills you can give to a kid. You put him in a house with the best in the world and kids are like sponges. They learn, they take in, they take in. And that's what we're all doing, learning, learning, learning. And at the same time, maybe three, four times a year, we are doing these incredible surf trips to Indonesia, to Europe, to Australia, to Hawaii. So it's not the contracts that maybe Quicksilver or Red Bull were giving us. It's mainly the experiences that they gave us. Mm. I mean, Quicksilver rented a house for myself and my mom for four months in California and put me in a school in Huntington Beach so that I was able to go to school, surf, 
compete in the NSSAs and all the local competitions when I was 13 years old. Companies don't do that anymore. So it's not yeah. the money that I received from those companies. It's the structure that they had and the amount of, you know, the amount of how much they really care to make sure that the next Kelly Slater, which there will never be a next Kelly Slater, obviously, but every brand would always hope for that. Um, they were giving the best, every possibility to achieve that. And hmm. unfortunately, that doesn't happen anymore. Today, luckily, Red Bull is still a very, very big player in that. Um, they have an amazing high-performance uh, team that supports mm -hmm. all the surfers, which we're so grateful as Red Bull athletes. Um, but not many other companies. With the Olympics, though, what's changed a little bit today is that the surfing federations are investing more money into the new generation. So what brands used to do today, um, the surfing federations, Italian federation, French federation are doing that for the next generation, which is great to see. But yeah, mm. back then they was, you know, it was a completely different world. Brands had money to spend and they spent it a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times they spent it the right way. Yeah, no, I agree. But they also, I'm interested too, because maybe you kind of humbly blew past this, but they didn't just spend it on anyone, you know? And, and for a kid from Italy at nine years old, spending a bit of time in, in, in Portugal and France to be noticed and to be invested in, you had to be very, very good. And, and I'm curious in your memory, was surfing something that came naturally to you or was it something you had to work at? Because it seems like, compared to maybe other kids at the time who grew up at the beach or grew up at this wave or whatever, you didn't have as much time to get that good, but you were. So I'm I curious think, how natural it felt for you. I think it felt natural being in the ocean, being in bigger conditions. I always felt comfortable. Mm -hmm. I do think though the first couple of trips that we ever did when I was about 11 or 12 and I was hanging with Jack, I was hanging with Kanoa, I could always see that they had more natural talent than me. At least mm. I felt that way, mm. but I was never scared by that. I was always a competitive kid. And so it always pushed me and it always made me more motivated to learn from them and to see when I could get to that level. But I think when I was uh, 12 years old and I went and did the Aki Grom Comp in Australia and the Rusty Grom Fest, which were these two events that still today they're happening, but back then they meant a lot. It was like under 12s, under 14s, under 16s. And I flew all the way to Australia by myself, actually, which this is a funny story because flying to Australia at 12 years old, my mom, she trusted that I would get there. I did have how airlines have like somebody that, you know, takes care of you. But one plane got delayed. I had to spend the night in London in a hotel, showed up at the, <laughs> showed up at the hotel counter going, hey, can I get a room? This is a voucher from the airline. They were like, okay, this is weird. But my road <laughs> to Australia took about... 50 hours by myself. Um, but anyways, when I made it there, the very first comp was the Grom comp and I won it. And all these Australian kids who I'm still competing against was Mikey, was Jack Robinson. Um, Kanoa was actually there as well at the time. They were all probably tripping. Who's this Italian kid coming out of nowhere and winning the first event? So I think there I realized, okay, like, I have the level to compete against them. And if I right. keep working, keep improving, I'll be able to maintain that level, if not become better, hopefully one day. 
Well, Aki would have been stoked too because he's got Italian ancestry too. So he's probably like, oh, finally, all right, me. here we go. Yeah, yeah always right. tells me. <laughs> he always tells me. Well, you know, that can sometimes be a double-edged sword, right? That amount of support because it comes with a certain level of exposure and expectations, whether that's sponsor expectations or media expectations or fan expectations, the expectations you put on yourself. Did you ever wrestle with that when you started moving into the qualifying series and, and, and campaigning to make it to the elite level? Did, did you ever struggle with, this is harder than I thought it would be, you know, and even that support, it's, it's still difficult? Or, or did you feel like you had all the tools you needed to, to do what you needed to do? You know, the, the qualifying series were actually a very, not to brag about it, or but they were actually be, came across very easy for me. Hmm. Um, my first full year on the QS, the first three events, which were 6,000, which are pretty big events, I went hmm. second, 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 and then the first prime in Bolito, which back then was Challenger Series, was called Prime, I made the quarterfinals. So all of a hmm. sudden, I had already maybe 20,000 points by May. So I was right. almost guaranteed qualified by then. So there I was like, oh, wow, I'm the I'm I'm incredible. That was too easy. I just nailed this. All of a sudden, six months later, I qualify for the World Tour because the year ended. I get to Snapper. Um, throughout my career, I never had any like getting smoked so much. I was always in the juniors, did very well, and the under 16s. I say under 18, I, I had great results. I get to the World Tour, first event, get smoked, boom. Second event, get smoked, boom. Third event, boom. Fourth event in Brazil, boom. So four events, round one losses. Obviously as 18 year olds, as an 18 year old, I was freaking out. Like, I remember, this This is a really funny story. In Sakurama, after I lost four times in a row, I lost my heat. I walked back by myself for like 20 minutes, crying, devastated. I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve to be here. I get to the house, which was Kanoa and Zeke staying at the house. I walk into the room with my sunglasses and a hat. My board bag was already made. I'm like, bye guys. See you next time. Left. They were tripping. To this, to this day, we laugh about that day because I was <laughs> devastated. And that time, but, I actually... Okay. Go, go, go. You can interrupt me. Go. No, 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 no. no. I, that was, I mean, I, I, what I was going to ask is that seems to be so common and, and it doesn't always make it through the webcast, just the, the level at the CT. It, it's hard so to understand hard. and appreciate like the speed and the power and how good everyone is. And, and I remember even when I first started, like was a fan before I started, you know, 19 years ago at this point. And you know, when you're young, you're like, Oh my God, like Mick and Andy and Kelly, like those guys are up here. And you're looking at the guys at the bottom of the rankings being like, ah, you know, there's, I don't know. And, and then I remember going on tour and, and being in the water with those guys, just anyone on the rankings, but even the guys at the bottom and thinking, these are the best surfers I've ever seen in my life by like a hundred times the margin. And you just realize so how high. good everyone is. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was wondering, like, what was your experience when you were getting smoked? What do you think was it? Was it, was it in terms of is, why do you think you weren't getting the results? The crazy part is that the heat that I lost in Margie's was against Joel Parkinson. I had 15 points, he had 16 points. Yeah. 
The heat I lost at Bells Beach, I had 16.93 and Seabass had 16.97. Right, right. And then Brazil, I needed a four and I stood up a second later and did a big air, but that was too late. And it was a very low scoring heat. So even that first year, I then ended up going to Fiji. I had a, I made a quarterfinals, so I finally had a, a pretty good result. Went to JBA, I had a, I got nine, so I had a good result. And then Tahiti came around, and in my second round, my seating was a bit better, so I'm like, okay, I should get a decent, decent, you know, heat. In my second round, I get Jeremy Flores at Chopu. So I'm like, oh god, like here we go. But I'm like, okay, I got this. First wave, he starts with a nine. I start with a 9.4. Second wave, he gets an eight. I get a seven five. Third wave, he gets a nine. And at the end, I get an eight five and I lose with like 17.9 or something like that. So it wasn't like I was getting completely smoked, but I was like, what do I have to do? So to me, it was like, it was, it was a very hard year, honestly, yeah. but it, it was, it was great. I learned a lot. Um, I realized that I thought the QS was hard and the CT was easy. Well, guess what? The QS is hard and the championship tour is way harder. Right. So just gotta it's be, so... you gotta keep improving, keep being better and better and better and better every season. And since that year in 2017, I have mm. improved and I know I have, because if I hadn't, yeah. I would not be where I am today. Right. And it's interesting to hear that, right? Because as you said, it's like your surfing is there. You're getting good scores, which is an important thing. And that doesn't always happen at the CT level. But as you pointed out, like even if you have a good heat, there's just no real margin for error at the CT because the other person, the heat could have a better one. I, I, we always call sure, this yeah. uh, the, Sean, the Sean Canstell season, right? Um, was when Sean fell off tour years ago. He was losing with... 17 points in his heat you know and yeah, it would have yeah. won any other heat in the round it was just someone got 18 points and it was just yeah, yeah. everyone was just baffled at how this could happen to such a good surfer but that's the level that's the level and i do want to go back to the question that you actually asked which was does it, mm. did it put pressure on me being in the right. spotlight and everything and 100 percent, it did you know i i had big contracts i was the up-and-coming european surfer so I felt like I had to prove something to people. And mm. when my results weren't showing, it made me very, 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 very sad because if my results aren't coming, then people that put their, you know, everything on the line for me, I'm not sh showing them what I, what I deserve or what I, what I should, you know, what I, if I deserve it or not. Right, right. And with time, with years, I realized that I'm doing this for myself. I'm not doing this for anyone else. Um, I don't care about contracts or I don't care about this and that. I really want to do this because I love competing. I love being on the world tour. And uh, I want to I wanna give the best out of myself no matter what. I love it. We're going to take uh, one more quick break and we will come back for last part of our conversation we'll be right back another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Manduka was founded in 1997 with the simple idea that a better yoga mat could make a world of difference. For generations, Manduka has revolutionized the yoga space by providing purposely crafted products that enable a more joyful practice, whatever that looks like for you. The collaboration between Manduka and Jerry Lopez honors Jerry's profound dedication to both surfing and yoga disciplines. The limited edition collection showcases Jerry's signature camouflage print inspired by his surfboards. It fuses his iconic surf style with Manduka's commitment to quality and sustainability, offering everyone a unique expression of their practice. We all know that having the right gear is essential and a yoga mat is no different. Feel the benefits of yoga with Manduka's soulfully engineered, eco-friendly products designed to inspire your practice wherever you go. The Manduka and Jerry Lopez collection want to inspire you to practice yoga however you choose to. And from now until June 10th, you will get 15% off of all products when you visit manduka.com with the code THELINEUP15. That's manduka.com code the lineup 1515 all right we are coming back from break this is the lineup i'm dave prodan with italy's leonardo fioravanti you know leo you had this great story earlier in the conversation about how you looked up to Jeremy Flores, um, especially being a two-time pipe master. One thing I want to talk to you about, because you were so, so good in, in critical waves. And I remember working on tour when, when Jeremy was coming up and everyone on tour kind of knew that he was really gnarly at, at places like Chopu and places like pipeline and, and, and reef passes. But it felt like the broader surfing world had the a misconception of him. They were like, oh, he's like a very technical contest surfer, a little, you know, Kelly Slater, Jersey wind-up doll kind of thing. And he he's just a small wave surfer, you know. And I think that's a real unfair stigma that surfers from Europe have had over time. I think it's a lot different now than it was, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, but, yeah. I guess that's one of the beautiful things about this platform, right? Is like, it doesn't matter what people think of you. You have the opportunity to show them who you are instead of having to tell them who they are. And it feels like both Jeremy and you have have absolutely answered that question across so many serious kind of waves already. Yeah, that's, that's, I think you've put it perfect. I think Jeremy, Mm -hmm. uh, what Jeremy's done, two times spot master, one Chopu, and one hostigor in perfect barrels. That shows that he is one, if not the best barrel riders in the world. And there's mm. no doubt about that. Nobody can can challenge that. And that's inspiring to me 100%. But it also motivates me because I feel like I can reach that level um, mm. and not to take any, anything away from Jeremy. Um, but I would love to follow the steps that Jeremy, you know, took and, and go for it. Jeremy went for it. He wasn't afraid to compete against Kelly or 
the best guys in those conditions and he wasn't afraid to beat them. And mm. I think that's what I'm inspired by. And I hope that in my career, um, I have many years left and that I can keep on getting barreled and keep on, uh, you know, getting results, but also showing up in the conditions that I feel the most comfortable in, which I do believe are barrels and heavier conditions. Right. Right. You know, you, you spoke very graciously about your time with Quicksilver and the opportunities that, that they provided you. And as we said, you know, the industry has been through so much change. And, and a few years ago, you, you parted ways with Quicksilver, who had been supporting you for quite a long time and, and started working with, with K-Way, which is uh, historically a non-endemic brand. But your profile has also kind of existed inside and outside of surfing. You've you've been uh, the house of, the face of the house of Gucci and, and 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 other kind of brands as well. So, I would imagine that compared to a lot of surfers in our environment, it felt more comfortable for you to to develop those relationships inside and outside of surfing as well. Yeah, obviously, when um, my relationship ended with Quicksilver, I was very sad because I've been mm. so many years with being with them. But, you know, when one door closes, I truly believe that other doors open. And that's when I went, okay, I think um, it's definitely not the end of the world. I'm super happy where I am. I'm grateful for everything that I've had with Quicksilver. So I never left with a, a sour taste or F this, F that. I was always very grateful and um, look back at the amazing times, but also look forward to like the next projects. and. When I met the owners of K-Way, which are two really nice young, uh, well, Lorenzo Boglione and Alessandro Boglione, the sons of the father who started BasicNet, which is a bigger company, not only K-Way, there's also Kappa, which is the very big sports brand, yep. Sebago, Superga. So they're a very big company, but they're not a corporate company. They're a family mm. owned, uh, they love sports, the, the two brothers are only 36 and 34, Lorenzo and Alessandro. We played golf together many times. We've had a great relationship since. And honestly, it's been one of the best steps that I could have done in my career. Today, I'm so happy where I'm at. I have a great relationship. I feel like it's back to what it used to be with Quicksilver. It was much more family slash relationship where you can open up about anything. You have a point of contact. I'm designing my new collection, which is the first ever collection that I've done, and I've always wanted to do that. So it's there's so many exciting projects about this new um, chapter in my in my career, and I never looked at it as endemic or non-endemic. I looked at it as, am I happy? Am I excited? Mm -hmm. Is this what I want? And honestly, this is exactly what I want. And also, you know, being Italian, I've been very grateful that it's opened up to many different partnerships, like you said, with Gucci, had so many years, mm. so many great years uh, as an ambassador of, uh, of Gucci. Um, Panerai, which is a luxurious uh, watch brand. And uh, yeah, the Italian market is a great market and I'm proud to be Italian. <laughs> <laughs> you know, last September um, we got word and it's exciting because um, someone that you worked with who, who ultimately became family to you, Stephen Bell, opened up Bell Surfing in, in Hasegore, which yeah. haven't been, mm -hmm. haven't been there yet, but it's, it seems really exciting. It seems like it is a, a place that is 
hardcore surfing. You know, it's based on surfboards, it's based on surfing and those things. But can you describe that relationship for us a little bit and just a little bit about the the store opening? Because I think that 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 ties in with your own relationship with surfboards as well. Well, first of all, Stephen Bell was the global team manager for Quicksilver for so many years, spent years and years winning world titles with Kelly, which uh, he's very happy and proud of. But also he's had his uh, surfboard company called Euroglass since the 1990s in Hossegor, started it by himself, always worked hard for it to keep it going. Um, incredible shapers like Christian Bradley, Mark Phipps, Phil Grace. But, you know, a couple of years ago, four or five years ago, he left Quicksilver and devoted his life 100% to, to Euroglass. Now, Belly is also married to my mom for 15 years, which that's been the greatest um, stepfather I could ever ask for. Uh, you know, when my parents separated, obviously it's always hard. It's always a hard moment. But for me to have two dads is the best thing in the world. I get my Italian dad, which is back home, and I get Steven, who's uh, my stepdad, and we share so many passions together, surfing, golfing. And my brother as well, my older brother, he's the general manager of Euroglass for the last eight, seven or eight years. So it is a very family-based project. Um, obviously, Steven and my brother, they put so much effort into making the next move, and the next move was bell surfing. We wanted to open up a shop um, that wasn't just a surf shop, but it was a concept. Really have a company that focused on the core of surfing, that delivered the best possible surfboards, best possible products. And I hope that we can keep doing that. Um, it's been about four months since we've opened the shop. I hope we can keep doing that, keep building the best possible surfboards. And um, I think this is something that will grow much bigger than just a surf shop. We're doing our own surf accessory company called Bell with the surf grips, accessories and everything. So it's an exciting project and I'm very proud to be a part of it. Good for you guys. I can't wait to get out there and, and check it out. On the topic of surfboards, um, you know, we're running the second season of the Vistla CT Shaper rankings. Um, last season was the maiden year. We get to kind of honor everyone that puts so much investment and work into building boards for the world's best surfers. And and you yourself um, getting to scan your Hawaii quiver. It's a couple of boards, um, but it looks like <laughs> you, you've got a mix, right? You've got Sharp Eyes. You've got Christian Bradley's. There's some Arakawa's in there, um, some Pangs. Describe your your Hawaii quiver for us and, and how you put it together and how you, you keep it organized in your head in terms of like, okay, this is what I'm going to use today. Um, yeah, for close friends that can enter my garage, you'll see it's quite organized. I have it pretty set up to where I have notes. I know where every board is. There's about 50 to 60 boards down there, but today I can tell you exactly, okay, Dave, go to the fourth uh, fourth rack, you'll find a 6-2 Christian Bradley or a 6-2 whatever. So I'm very organized with that. But Hawaii is the one place that you can really ride so many different boards. Sharp Eyes have been the boards that I've been riding in small, high-performance conditions the whole year. Amazing boards. Mike Bradley's, they feel really good in heavy conditions. So the other day at Pipeline, I was riding a 6-6 Bradley. And then there's also the Hawaiian Shapers of Pang and Arakawa who, especially Eric Arakawa, I spent a lot of time trying his boards over here and in the barrels and heavy conditions. I mean, there's a lot that you can learn from shapers like that. And feeling comfortable on a very, very big wave is something very important. 
and those mm-hmm. guys helped me uh, have helped me throughout my my younger years and many years um, achieve that. So um, it's a great mix, I think, and I learned from every single one of those shapers and try to ride the best board in the best condition in the in the right conditions. Hmm. You know, you you've always even before you and I met have have come across as a hard worker. You know, and and dedicated and professional and you've gotten better year year over year inside and outside of the jersey absolutely via the results and even though you've always been a hard worker i, I was run i was talking to one of your uh, competitors on tour and and they brought up your work ethic and and they said in the last five years he's never worked harder and it's evident a is that true and then b what is your goal? Like, I mean, as you said, you improve every year. Like, like, what is your goal in 2024 and, and how does that build to, to maybe some two to three year goals for you? I mean, I, I know I'm putting the work in there. Um, mm. and I love it. That's, that's an important part. You know, I love doing this. I love trying to bring the best out of myself. The level in the world tour, Dave is so high that you have to, Give everything you can, whether it's in the water, whether it's in the gym, whatever it is, you have to give it everything you have. Because there's guys like Gabriel Medina, John John, Griffin, Jack, those guys are animals. Those guys are so hard to beat. So if I, Leonardo Ferravanti, doesn't bring the best version of Leonardo Ferravanti, I cannot even get close to beating those guys, you know? And that's what I focus on. And what are my goals for this year? Obviously, I can tell you I want to make the top five. I want to win events. I want to be a world champion. I want to be an Olympic champion. All those things are, my, are in my mind. But I want to keep improving. I want to keep bringing the best version of myself at every event. And if that means winning events, great. Um, but I will, if it doesn't, then that's okay. But I will always bring the best version of myself. And I will challenge uh, every competitor out there and and uh, make them work to beat me. And that's what I want to focus on. I love it. And it definitely shows. Uh, before you go, we did put out some question uh, feelers from the Instagram community at, at the lineup pod. And uh, we got plenty back for you, but but we've, we've whittled them <laughs> down to three. Um, first question is from at Mike Sharp 8128, who asks, what benefit do you think being so exposed to the tour as a Grom gave you in your career today? The best benefit that I could say is that it made me comfortable traveling all around the world and feeling mm-hmm. at home everywhere I go. I have friends everywhere I go. Um, I feel comfortable traveling and I never miss home, which is a very important part. And I think because I started traveling at a very young age, being at those events, being at those locations, today I'm able to feel comfortable the moment that I get there. A great answer. Uh, next question is from Et Noah Purrington, who asks, who is the next Grom to look out for from Europe? The next Grom to look out for, I would say, is a very young Italian surfer. He's 10 years old. He lives between Italy and Bali, and his name is Rocco Rigliaco. He's a great little surfer, charges like crazy, and he's improving quick. And I'm proud to uh, to watch him improve and to surf with him as well. I love surfing with him. 
another good answer. Uh, third one. Uh, this is from Et A.C. Condon, who asks, what does Captain Belly say to you at this stage in your career? He always tells me to have fun. Always. He always tells me, it's the best ever. Get out there and have fun. <laughs> this is what you dreamed of your whole life. And uh, that's the best thing that somebody can tell you, I think, to keep having fun and keep enjoying it. And I really appreciate when uh, Steven reminds me of that. Awesome. Uh, thank you to everyone that wrote in uh, questions at the lineup pod. We're now down to our final segment. This is the lightning round. So these are okay. 10 questions for you to answer as quickly as you can. Oh, wow. Okay. Let me drink first some question. water first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I'm ready now. Let's go. All righty. First question. If you could only have one board set up for the rest of your life, single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad bonzer, or finless, which would you choose? Thruster. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Burrito or pizza? Pizza. Pretty Last you book you read. That. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> As I've, I, you said it and I'm like, oh yeah, better be. Um, uh, th next question. Uh, last book you read? Uh, Green Light uh, by Matthew McConaughey. Oh, interesting. Uh, best surf film ever? Stranger Than Fiction. Hmm. What is one wave you never have to go back to? Never have to go back to? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Oof. Uh, oof. That's a hard one. Uh, probably the wave that the Olympics were at in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. It's totally fair. That looked very tricky. Um, if you could only get to surf, if you only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life, you can, you can dreamcast it. It could be perfect conditions, just your buddies, whatever. What wave would you choose? Cloud break. Hmm. Uh, best person to share a lineup with? Uh, my brother, Matteo. Worst person to share a lineup with? <laughs> Sometimes my brother, Matteo, too. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, last one. Uh, finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by... I will next achieve a state of happiness by uh, marrying Sophia. Ah, oh, beautiful answer. <laughs> Leo, thank you so much for coming on the lineup, man. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. It was long overdue. We got to bring you back. Congrats on all the success you've had. Can't wait to see what you do this season. And uh, yeah, man, good luck at the, uh, the rest of the Lexus Pipe Pro presented by Yeti. Thank you. I hope you guys will be watching. Um, or you already watched it whenever this episode comes out, but it's going to be exciting and we're going to have fun and hopefully get battled. So that's it. That's the lineups conversation with Italy's Leonardo Fioravanti. I hope you enjoyed it. As of recording, Leo remains in the draw for the opening stop of the 2024 WSL Championship Tour season, the Lexus Pipe Pro presented by Yeti, which is streaming live at worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. Today's episode is executive produced by Jed Pearson, Tim Greenberg, and myself. Produced by Miguel Clemente with art direction by Jason Penning and copywriting by Dan Willen. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges that it is recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, the Kumie, and the native Hawaiian people. 
I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are, and we'll see you next Tuesday. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup.